Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We ask that you would take the time that we have set aside to the study of your word, that you would enable us to learn, to be encouraged. Lord, that you would bless us for being obedient to the command to spend time in this book. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be singing those old hymns. It never feels good in the storm, but you can always trust God to take you through. Amen? And let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And uh, we're going to keep plodding through the book. And one of the things that I want to do as we go through the book of Revelation this time is to try to pick up some of the other passages in the Bible that speak about the same things and and uh, we will not uh, be able to get them all. We're going to probably have to take just several weeks and stop and go back and pick up uh, many other passages. The, the book of Revelation is God's last revelation. He gives no more. This is all that we have, and everything that we need to know about God, about the world, about things to come, is in this book. And so let's just read chapter 7. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Nephilim were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zabulon were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. Did you get the point there? It's not talking about Jehovah's Witnesses, all right? Uh, It's not talking about the followers of Mr. Miller and the Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, It's talking about the 12 tribes of Israel. And we'll read on. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne... And before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, 
salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell down. I'm sorry. Uh, start in verse 11. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of great tribulation, and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, there are many different ways to look at what is going on in the book of Revelation, and just for the sake of, uh, of my thoughts and the way I'm presenting, we're going to call this a pause. You will find several pauses in the book of Revelation. We believe that the book of Revelation is basically in chronological order that the events are happening here, but God is going to stop several times in the book of Revelation and everything is going to stop. He's going to go back and he's going to catch up uh, on things. And, and the simplest way uh, probably to relate this would be... Uh, I'm sure all of us are familiar with watching uh, a television and we're watching the series, the story is unfolding and all of a sudden, the scene changes. And now we're going to go back and the, and the author is going to give us information that we didn't have before. Kind of like a flashback or, or uh, foresh uh, well, not actually foreshadowing, this would be backshadowing, I guess, uh, I don't know what the actual literary term would be, but uh, just for sake of, of simplicity, we're going to call this a pause. I want us to remember the setting for this pause. The sixth seal has just been broken, the greatest earthquake in history to this point, because the Bible tells us there's going to be greater earthquakes than this before the revelation is over. Uh, the greatest earthquake, the, every island is going to be moved, the Bible tells us that no mountain is going to be in the same place when this earthquake happens. The sun is going to become black. The moon is going to become red as blood, the Bible tells us. And of course, someone said, but how could the moon be turned into blood? It doesn't say that here. It says, as, and the moon became as blood. 
And it very simply, how many of you know what a harvest moon is? How many of you have ever seen a harvest moon? A few of you? Uh, it looks like the moon is about to touch the earth. Huge. Does anybody remember what color the harvest moon is? Orange. It's a really uh, strange phenomena. I remember once uh, we were in Pennsylvania years ago and went outside at dark just to look up at the stars and the moon almost blanked out the entire sky in one direction. It was incredible. There's things that get into the atmosphere that change the color of the moon. What do you think is going to block out and make the sun black? It's not that our sun necessarily is going to turn into a black dwarf and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, if we have any astronomers out there, um, not astrologers. Astrology, bad. Astronomy, good. Amen? And we move on. So all of these things are happening. The Bible tells us the heaven departed as a scroll and is rolled together. And everybody on earth is hiding because they know the wrath of God is coming. And then we get to verse 1 of chapter 7. It says, after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. Now, there's a lot of fours in there. Somebody said, what's the significance? North, south, east, west. Amen. Uh, those are four directions. Uh, how many corners does it take to make a square? Four. You want to go crazy? Go in a round room and try to sit in the corner, right? Uh, the four corners of the earth. And people get caught up on all this. Why were there four angels? Uh, because there's four winds. Amen. Uh, why are there four corners? Because that's how many it takes to make a square. And so we got one angel holding the wind. Now, how does that happen? Amen. Ask the angel. Uh, the angel gave, were given power, as we look here in verse 2, that they were given power to hurt the earth and the sea. Everything is absolutely still. Now, how many of you have ever been, hopefully not a very serious, but in a car accident? You can see everything just seems like time stands still. You know it's going to happen. You can't stop it. You're waiting for the impact. And then everything gets shook around and all of a sudden, it's just like you're in another world. Nothing moves. That's what's going to happen here. The entire earth has just been shaken by the wrath of God. And as these four angels are holding the very winds of heaven, by the way, do you know how long 
life could exist on planet earth without winds? Not very long. The winds are what cleanse the air. They are what do so many things for us. The stirring of the winds carries the moisture from the rivers to the oceans and and all of those things that we need, if it weren't for the wind, we life would cease on earth. Now, the angels aren't going to hold the air that long, but they are going to hold it long enough. And this fourth angel, I mean fifth angel, another angel is going to come ascending from the east. He's going to come out of the sunrise, we might say. And he's going to have the seal of the living God. Now, I want to make a point here. How many of you have heard about the mark of the beast? I mean, everybody has, right? Uh, Does anybody remember the the Koreans that used to go up and down on the subways going, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Does anybody remember that? And they'd hand you out papers that said 666, mark of the beast. And uh, every time uh, they invent a new computer chip, Did you know that your dogs and cats can now receive the mark of the beast? Uh, Only kidding. Uh, Because they can't pledge their worship to the beast because he's not active right now. You see, they're talking about putting chips, uh, actually identification chips in our special forces so that all of their information is recorded, so when they get injured on the battlefield, they can scan with the computer and know how to save their lives. That's not the mark of the beast, my friend. It may be a precursor to it, but those men are not pledging their worship to some false god. They're doing something that that could save their lives 10,000 miles from home in the middle of the night on a battlefield. Uh, all of these things are technologies that are being developed. But isn't it interesting, and I've heard so much on the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, and everybody skips over chapter 7, where God says, I'm going to mark my people in their foreheads. Why? Where do you think the devil got this idea from? He's not original. He copies everything that God does. And it's always perverted, destructive, and it always brings death. But he always copies what God does. Think about false religion. Where's false religion come from? It's the devil copying what God does. It's perverted, and it brings forth death. There are more people that will go to hell because of false religion than any other thing you can think of. Somebody said, beer's bad. Yeah, it is. But more people will be in hell because of false religion than because of Budweiser and all of its compatriots put together. The devil always copies what God does. Now, does this mean that this angel, uh, while people are living here on earth, all of a sudden this earthquake's going to happen and those that are Christians are going to see, and and I use that term lightly, those that believe in Jesus Christ, 
you're going to see this hand come out with a stamp on it. Go, poom, and put this big mark on your forehead. Uh, no. What it means is God is going to mark his people. How many of you remember from the book of Ezekiel, and I didn't put the reference in here, uh, where he told the angel to go through the city and to put a mark on the people. And if I'm, all of a sudden, I'm having a memory lapse, a junior-senior moment. The only problem is I'm not so junior anymore. But uh, uh, I believe the mark was upon the people who would be preserved. And those that didn't have the mark would be killed, exactly as it is here in the book of Revelation. God knows his people. There's something you need to remember. God knows his people. He marks them. It says our names are written on his hands. The high priest in the Old Testament tabernacle would carry on that ephod the the gems which were reminiscent of the names of the tribes of Israel. And on his shoulders they were written there and he was to bear their names before God. If there's something we can learn from chapter 7, God is interested in those that are His. Rejoice in that fact. We may doubt, we may have difficulties, but let me tell you, God knows who are His. And I'm not going to be dogmatic about this next point. When does the marking happen? Is this happening right now after the sixth seal? Or are we getting background information? And as the tribulation starts, one suggested that the four winds could be the four horsemen uh, of the first four trumpets. Um, I don't know that I'm going to go there because uh, it talks about literal winds and literal trees and literal seas. And when we get to the uh, trumpet judgments... But God is going to mark his people. Now, he's going to seal a special number, 144,000 Jewish men. Now, when we, let me just finish this, keep in in course with the outline here. The the seventh seal is going to be broken in chapter 8, then seven trumpets, which make up the seven seals. Now, the first four of those trumpets, uh, I've listed just in a summary fashion here, one-third of trees, all the green grass, one-third of the sea, and everything that lives in it, one-third of the rivers, and anybody or anything that drinks from those rivers, and then one-third of the sun, moon, and stars are going to be blotted out with these trumpets. Does that sound like they're going to hurt the earth and the sea and the trees? Uh, Sounds like it to me. And and so, before any of this happens, God is going to mark this 144,000 Jewish men. He's going to mark them in their forehead. I don't believe it's going to be a physical mark. I believe it's just like he did in the book of Ezekiel, like he does today. 
God knows those that are his. By the way, when you know you are his, it makes you different, doesn't it? It makes you stand out when you serve the living God. It makes you think different. It makes you walk different. It ought to make you dress different and listen to different music. It ought to make you go to different places. It ought to make you carry yourself in a different way. Amen? And so we have one of the most convoluted concepts of all Scripture, not in God's eyes, of course, but in man's. Everybody and their brother has tried to be the 144,000. Uh, almost every Protestant church has claimed some connection to the 144,000. And as I was reading through the commentaries, it said it can't be talking about literally 12,000 from each of the tribes because the genealogical records were destroyed and none of the Israelites know from which tribe they are. Well, I agree with that. The genealogical records have been destroyed. No Jewish person living today can prove their heritage. Uh, does that hinder God? Don't you just love to mess up people's thinking? God does not need genealogy records to know who begat who, begat who, begat who. He's got that all figured out. Amen? It sounds like he's going to reestablish Israel as Israel. Does that slightly sound like it might be a fulfillment of some of the Old Testament prophecies? I think so. Amen. Uh, and everybody I read, Dan is not listed here. We really don't know why. Maybe they were the first tribe that went into idolatry. Uh, they were this, they were that. Uh, there are many different listings of the 12 tribes of Israel. And if you pay close attention, how many tribes of Israel are there actually? Thirteen, because Jacob, when, or Israel, when he died, just before he died in the land of Egypt, he gave Joseph a blessing. He said, your children, your two sons are going to be like my sons. And so here we have Manassas, and we have Joseph listed, which is Ephraim. Ephraim, you remember, was the younger. But Jacob put him forth and said, he will be the greater. And there was a time when all the ten tribes of Israel were called after the name of Ephraim. And so we have different listings. Many times Levi was left out of the listing because they were dispersed among the entire tribes. Their inheritance was in the temple and in the sacrifice. And by the way, if you're really worried about it, read Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 48 when it talks about the temple that we believe will be built on earth because what happened in Ezekiel 48 has never happened in history. Therefore, we're still waiting for its fulfillment. It must be future. And so Ezekiel 48, I believe, talks about the millennial kingdom, the temple that will be built for the millennial kingdom. And guess who is first on the list? Dan. So God hasn't forgot about it. You just let God take care of how he lists the children of Israel. Amen? 
But I believe, I don't believe we have any reason not to just take it simply and literally that God has chosen 12,000 men out of each tribe as special servants, as a special uh, signet. Well, let's go to chapter 14 and, and we'll get some more information. Look at verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb. Uh, who's the lamb? Jesus. But these are Jewish men. Yeah, they're going to believe in Jesus. Because that's the only way you get saved. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. Somebody said, now is that in heaven or is that on earth? Anybody want to venture a guess? Mount Zion is Jerusalem. Uh, I think that would be on earth. But earth's going to be changed before this happens. It's going to be really different than it is now. But look who's with him. And with him, 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, I want to just ask a question. I'm not trying to be sarcastic here. But how could you get this, 144,000 having their father's name written on their foreheads, confused, or try to separate them from the 144,000 in chapter 7 who are sealed with the name of God in their foreheads? But let me tell you, there are commentators that try awful hard, page after page after page of drivel, uh, trying to go around and around and make this two different groups. And it tells us a little more about them. It said, And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. So we have this special group, and it tells us their characteristics in verse 4. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. So we have a group here. This 144,000. We have them appear with the Lamb on Mount Zion. And then before the throne of God to sing a new song that only they can sing. They are called the first fruits. The first fruits of the tribulation. They lived a pure life. They were never married. They were never uh, defiled with women. They were never immoral. It says a few interesting things here. It says, and in their mouth was found no guile. They were not deceived. They were not tricked. By the devil's temptations. How many of us have ever been tricked? Every one of us. 
God has given, it says, they are without fault before the throne. Now, the only way anyone can be without fault before the throne is wearing the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? But these 144,000 are given a special place before the throne. They are specifically chosen of God, and they take their place to give special praise to God. How many of you remember the first sermon of the year? The strangest battle plan, the first Sunday morning sermon. And what we talked about in there, if you're going to fight the devil, get your praise to God in order. That's what Jehoshaphat and his soldiers did. They stopped worrying about the enemy. They stopped worrying about the attacks that were coming. And they wrapped themselves in praise to God. And that's when God set the ambushments against the enemy and destroyed them of their own accord. God wants you and I to do something we do so very little of. Sometimes we as Baptists are very reactionary at times, and sometimes that's not so bad, but we, we need to praise God more. I, I would encourage you to, during the week, to ask God to give you something special that you can bring to prayer meeting on, th- on Sunday night and give a testimony in praise and thanksgiving to God. If we want to practice for heaven, that's what, that is the calling. Don't get wound up with what these 140, somebody said there are 144,000 Jewish missionaries. They'll turn the world upside down. I can't find that anywhere in the scripture. It said they were sealed and they came through the tribulation and were not hurt. I can't find that in the scripture either. Chances are these 144,000 are connected to the fifth seal, the souls of them that were martyred for the cause of Christ. Because the group that comes after them in chapter 7 is definitely connected to the souls of them that were martyred. The tribulation saints, most of those that profess faith in Jesus during the tribulation, are going to pay for that faith in Christ with their lives. It is going to be a time of unprecedented death and destruction. And let me tell you something, when the world is trying to save itself, where are the Christians going to come in? I mean, we have nutcases running around Uh, I can't remember the professor's name, but he wrote a whole treatise, a big summary on how that the population of the earth should not be, should never exceed 500 million people. Now, I got thinking about that. Tribulation period comes pretty close. But the only problem I have with that scientist's thesis is he's not willing to help us out. I mean, if he thinks all those people ought to die, then let him do it first. Leave the rest of us alone. Amen? 
I get a little, I get a little worried when people start talking about that. But let me tell you, those are going to be the people who run the kingdom of Antichrist. Life is going to become worthless, except in God's eyes. He's got 144,000 Jewish men that he is going to mark as his own. That his grace will keep them from sin and they will live pure and exemplary lives so that throughout eternity, this special choir of 144,000 men are going to sing God's praises. I don't know about you, but hair in the back of my neck starts standing up when I talk about that. I think of the when we were at Heartland a couple weeks ago, they had all the, uh, they do this every year, all the preachers, all the, they call us full-time Christian workers. If you serve Christ part-time, there's an altar here to get that taken care of, all right? Uh, we're all to be full-time Christians, but they always get a choir of all the pastors and youth pastors and church planners and everybody. And I, I can't tell you, we, we crowded that platform. I think there's over 100 seats, 130 or 40 seats on the platform. There must have been close to 200 preachers crowded up on that platform, just squished in there. And, and they had us all sing, Hold the Fort. And I'll tell you, that place came unglued. I mean, it was just a, a moving experience. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when 144,000 redeemed sing praises to God? And I just want you to think that's a very small part of the full choir. That's just going to be one voice that's going to be ringing out. And so... Next time you meet your friendly neighborhood Jehovah's Sickness and they start telling you about the 144,000, just say, what tribe are you? What do you mean? I just take them right there, Revelation chapter 7. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah. Are you from Judah? Well, no. Well, how about Reuben? No. I just go the whole way through the list. I said, well, you're not part of the 144,000. Well, you can't say that. I said, well, it says it right here. And I don't recommend doing that all the time. But every once in a while, we just need to put to silence the silliness of foolish men. God, over and over, and I, I read it on, on purpose the way I did so that you would get the tedium of the tribe of Judas, we're sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, we're sealed. Over and over again, don't let anyone put anything else in there than what is described in Revelation chapter 14. And by the way, this 144,000 are sealed by the Father, but they're going to follow the Lamb. Now we go into the book of Zechariah, and I didn't put this reference there, but we'll be picking this passage up when we have time to go through it in depth. And it's going to talk about making Jerusalem a burden to the entire world. And they're going to look on him whom they pierced. And they're going to mourn for him. God's going to recall his people. This 144,000 are going to be the first fruits. 
And what is the price they're going to pay when we get to chapter 12? They are now going to become public enemy number one of the world and are going to be sought to be destroyed. But let me tell you something. You read in the scriptures, Romans chapter 8, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. In these things we are more than what? Conquerors. The world's definition of victory is not God's definition of victory. God's definition of victory is staying true to Him and to His Word. That's all it is to it. And so, these 144,000, and we're running out of time here. Let's go to verse 9. After this, I beheld... Okay, these 144,000 were sealed. And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number. Now, people read that and they argue about it. Well, listen, we can count all of the people that are on the face of the earth. We know that there are over 7 billion people. How can no man number this crowd? Um, how many of you remember the Million Man March on Washington, D.C.? Does anybody remember that? How many were there? Well, if you talk to Louis Farrakhan, 1.2 million. You talk to the Washington, D.C. police, and uh, they'll tell you less than 100,000. You talk to somebody that doesn't have to lose their job because they disagree with Louis Farrakhan and the political system, it was a whole lot less than that. You know what? We have problems getting the number of people in the church auditorium counted on Sunday morning. And don't criticize the guys that try until you do it. Because you got people walking in, you got people walking out, you got people coming in late, you got babies in the nursery, you got kids from Brother Saravia's church in the children's church, you got our kids in there. I mean, somebody wants to argue with you about something, this is what you tell them. You can't even count the number of people that walk down the sidewalk. Let's, let's, let's just let the Bible stand, amen? There is no way that you're going to number this crowd this is going to be a great multitude, and they are from all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. And they stand before the throne and, be, and before the Lamb. Now, let me ask you a question. Who do we have before the throne right now? now let's go back to chapter 4 and review. We've got the four beasts that are around the throne. In the midst of the throne is he that sits upon the throne who lives forever and ever. Amen. And yet in the midst of the throne, there appeared a lamb as it had been slain. Then we have the four beasts around them. And then we have the four and twenty elders around them. And as far as we understand, the four and twenty elders represent twelve tribes of Israel. 
12 apostles and the Lamb, the saved of earth up to this point. Now we're going to add to this an innumerable multitude. I want to challenge you, heaven is a big place. Don't get caught up with this. Oh, we must remain silent before the Lord and keep our praise to Him. I had somebody tell me one time, well, if you guys just keep your worship in the church, things would be okay. That was the wrong person to tell that to. They said, if you filthy heathen to keep your sin away from us, we wouldn't need to come out of the church, now would we? Amen? I'm sick and tired of that stuff. The only reason you don't want us coming out of the church is because you don't want to be convicted about how wicked and sinful your life is. And buddy, if you want to go to hell, that's fine. But I'm here to make the trip as miserable as possible because I want you to turn around and get saved and be with me in heaven. Amen? So we have this great crowd that is there of every language. And they have white robes. And now they have palms in their hands. Go back to verse 11. And white robes were given unto, the, to, unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet a while for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. They waited. The number is now complete. It's time for them to step up. And they now are going to be another voice in praise and worship to God. You see, this book is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. God has one desire. That His creation would worship and praise Him. Can you imagine how beautiful the earth must have been before sin? As beautiful as it is now. What would have, we sang that song, even when Eden's bowers bloom. How many of you know what a bower is? It's flowers. He said sometimes we're in deep gloom, sometimes we're in just absolute beauty. But it's still his hand that leads us. And even through all of this death and destruction of the tribulation, guess what? It's still going to be his hand. He's going to mark his own. God is interested in the salvation of souls. He's never lost one. And he never will. We will have, and we don't have time tonight to get into it, so we're going to stop right here. But what we're seeing is we have the four beasts which give praise to him that sits upon the throne. We have the four and twenty elders which we believe are the saint, Old Testament, New Testament saints that are giving praise to him that sits upon the throne. Then we have this special group that is brought out of 144,000 that came through the tribulation. And they are going to give praise to him that sits upon the throne. And then we're going to have this innumerable multitude of people who got saved. 
during the tribulation period. Someone said, can people get saved during tribulation? Oh, yes. But if we understand our Bibles correctly, these are going to be those who have not yet heard and not yet rejected the truth of Jesus Christ. Those that have heard and rejected, if we understand 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians correctly, they're going to believe the lie. But those who have never heard will believe. And there's going to be a lot of them that get saved. You see, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. God still is saving souls. You say, how are they going to do it without the church? Well, we'll get into that a little later. Church going to be gone. Somebody said, well, it's 144,000. I'm not sure that I find that in the scriptures. Uh, I think we'll find some things in there that's going to lend itself. It tells us that the gospel is going to be published in every land. There's going to be things going on. But let me tell you, if you want to enjoy heaven, if you want to have victory in your personal life, now, you better get your praise in order. That's what this passage is talking about. That's why God wants us to study it. So we're going to find out what goes on in heaven and so we can start getting our life ready now for what we're going to do when we get to heaven. God is not taking you to heaven so you can do what you want to do. He's getting you there so you can praise Him. So practice. Amen? By the way, if you suffer from depression, practice praise to God. It'll solve the problem. If somebody hates you, Practice praise to God. It won't take away their hate, but it'll keep you from feeling badly toward them. Amen? I don't care what your problem is. You get your praise to God in order, and He'll take care of it. Just like He did for Jehoshaphat. All God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night, and we thank you for your word, and Lord, in the midst of this great and horrific destruction, we get this little pause that allows us to see your hand is still at work in saving souls in allowing more to bring their praises before your throne. Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts and our lives, that you would help us to look honestly at the mess we often make of life and the mistakes that we make, the things that we do, and Lord, that we would just confess them and get our praise in order. Help us to bring true and acceptable worship before you. Challenge us to praise you in a right and proper way. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer...